welcome to the OCR Underground Show. Each week, you get the latest research, training secrets of top coaches, and everything you need to crush your next obstacle course race and finish burpee free. Here's your host, SGX coach, Mike Diebler. All right. Well, hello and welcome to the OCR Underground, your smartest resource for training strategies for your next OCR. I am SGX coach Mike Diebler. And as always, thank you for joining me. And this is episode number 62. You can find the show notes for this episode for any links mentioned in the show at OCRunderground.com slash episode dash 62. Well, I have to say I'm, I'm pretty pumped. I am getting ready to race the Spartan Sprint out in Minnesota. I haven't been to this venue before, so I'm always excited to check out a new location. Uh, and I'm really just excited because I'm, I've been feeling good. My training's been going well. My runs have been super strong. Everything seems to be going well. Everything seemed to be going well for a while, and I was kind of bummed. I know if you listened to the last episode, I didn't have the best race in Big Bear. The weather, the the course change, all these different things. I, I still think they did a great job with everything, but I, I never, I felt like I never really got to run the race that I wanted to race. So I figured why not sign up for another race? Uh, so I wasn't planning on doing this one, but I uh, figured we'll make the trip out to Minnesota, check this race out. And I'm really excited to see how my training's been progressing and, and how this race is going to go. So I'll definitely keep you guys updated with that. If you're going to be out in Minnesota, uh, definitely let me know. You can shoot me an email at mike at OCR underground. And I would love to, to meet up, chat training strategies and whatever. Um, but hopefully it'll be a fun event out there. And there's one other thing I'm really excited about too with this episode. I am one, or I'm going to announce a new sponsorship to the show, which I'm always excited about. Now, this one is actually kind of funny. Uh, the interview for this particular episode is with the CEO of Venga CBD, and we I did this interview actually a little while ago from when I'm releasing the podcast. And after we talked and I learned more about what they do, I just found it was really interesting that they specifically work with endurance athletes and formulate products specifically with the endurance athlete in mind. And that's why I want to get them on the podcast to talk more about this topic that is uh, really just, just blowing up right now. Wanted to learn more and I was really intrigued. So I decided to try out the product, test it out and see how it was. And, and uh, I loved it. So I just thought this was a perfect opportunity for us to partner up and uh, you're going to learn more about Venga CBD in this episode. And I have to admit when I originally uh, recorded this and, and did this, I had none of this uh, was intended, but it just worked out that way. So um, just really funny, but you're, you're going to learn more about really CBD in general. That's how we started it because they love educating people on this topic. And then we'll get specifically into uh, their company. But as I mentioned, Venga CBD specifically engineered for endurance athletes. Uh, we learned all about the, the cool things that they're doing to help endurance athletes improve training, recovery, pain management, really all things that the OCR athlete is dealing with. And this is a great addition to some of the things that you may be doing already. Uh, Venga CBD has zero THC. We'll get more about that in the interview uh, in this episode. It's water soluble, so it gets five times more CBD in your bloodstream than most other hemp oils. So I'm really proud that they're uh, joining us and partnering with us. And they have some great stuff for you as well. If you check out vengacbd.com slash OCR underground and use OCR underground and the promo code at checkout, you will save 15% on any of their products. All right. Well, that being said, let's get into this week's episode. So we are going to talk about cramping in the Inside Mike's Mind segment. Now, this is just something I've talked about in previous episodes, but it just keeps coming up. I see more and more questions on cramping. So I want to talk about the truth about cramping and how it's probably not just the hydration and electrolyte theory that you probably have heard before. Uh, I also have a race recap. Jordan Boyd, Boyd from Down Under is going to talk about the OCR Enduro World 24-Hour World Championship. Uh, sound like a pretty crazy and intense race, so he's going to give us the recap there. Uh, we have in our research review, I'm going to talk about the importance of low-intensity training and how we can't just focus on high-intensity training. And then finally, like I mentioned, we are going to sit down and chat with Jay O'Hare with Venga CBD and talk all about CBD, what it is, the myths, and how it will help in your training process. So let's get into the episode. All 
Okay, well, it's time for the Inside Mike's Mind segment. And as I mentioned earlier, we are going to talk about cramping. And I know I've talked about cramping on previous episodes, but I want to take a little bit deeper dive into this. I just see over and over again, questions come up online on cramping. And I just think this is something we're going to keep seeing over and over and over again. And I think we can um, rule out certain things when it comes to cramping. Usually goes, somebody does a race, love it, but hey, I, I cramped up at mile 10. Anybody have any recommendations? I thought I was drinking enough and you know getting my electrolytes in. And then usually the responses will go, you need to drink more, more electrolytes, You know, plan for this a little bit better. And before I go any further, I wanna make it clear that I'm not saying that uh, hydration electrolyte balance isn't important. I Obviously, it's incredibly important. The point I want to bring up is I don't think this is the cramping, the cause of cramping that we're we're mainly seeing in these types of races and endurance events. Sure, in certain situations it may happen, but I think there's better explanations why people cramp, and I think there's different solutions that they might take. Um, But this idea of dehydration, electrolyte imbalance, so we might be sweating a whole lot, and as you sweat, you're you're losing water, plasma levels go down, your uh, the interstitial space. Uh, is decreasing and it's going to put extra pressure on your nerve endings and that extra pressure uh, makes the nerve endings more sensitive and they cramp up uh, and and that's that's what we feel there or you know we're losing sodium and this uh, electrolyte is not allowing for the muscles to contract and relax the way that they're properly supposed to all of these things are are very true and can happen and you know we look at the the research behind this a lot of it comes from you know decades ago on looking at miners working in you know underground in very hot and harsh conditions and seeing how they were not they were sweating a lot and working hard for many many hours and they were experiencing a lot of cramping and they found that you know hydration and better electrolyte balance was helping with some of these things so that is very true and we see football examples too um, more like heat cramps and things like that uh, so I just want to make the point that I'm not uh, downplaying any of that. They can be very serious and life-threatening. Um, but I think we need to know the whole story, right? When we look at this uh, you know, hydration electrolyte theory with, dehyd- uh, with cramping, again, if we look at more of the research a little bit more closely, we see, well, what about those that aren't sweating a whole lot or cramps that occur at not hot temperatures where they're not really losing electrolytes and sweating that much, but they still cramp up. So this doesn't really explain that very well. Uh, When we look at plasma volume, so when we look at runners who, um, those that cramp and those that didn't cramp in a race, and we look at how much um, plasma loss there was, we saw that there's not really that much of a difference between those that are cramping, those that are not. Same when you look at sodium loss, uh, sweat, uh, fluid loss from sweat, we, we aren't really seeing, you, you know, I think if this was true, you'd see those that are the most dehydrated are the ones that going to be, that will cramp the most, yet they don't really, it doesn't really play out that way. So we have to look at other possible scenarios with cramping. And I think those of you that are listening that do experience cramps, this is probably what's going on. Because a lot of times I talk to people, they're like, yeah, I, I was drinking, I had electrolytes, you know, I, I really was prepared and I felt hydrated, but I still was, was cramping up during the race. And I'm going to give kind of a harsh but short answer, and it's you're not training properly for that race. When you look at more of the elite athletes, uh, they, and I'm not going to say they never cramp up, but I don't think this is a common thing that you see with with their performance. They're, um, they're going to fatigue and other things are going to happen, but I don't think cramping is a huge problem that they're going to face because they're used to putting themselves in these scenarios. They're used to this type of training. Now, I don't want to say you're not training hard or anything like that, but it's it could be you're not training specific to the race that you're trying to do, the distance, uh, the, the conditions, or things like that. So I, I think that's really what it comes down to is what's your training like and are you properly prepared to do something like this? So we can look, if we want to break free from this uh, hydration and electrolyte cramping, uh, cause of cramping, we need to look more at the neuromuscular level. And I think a neuromuscular theory is going to be much more appropriate here. So with our muscles and with our nervous system, we have receptors in our muscle tendon, our tissues and our tendons. And these receptors uh, are always uh, interpreting information. Like if a muscle is being stretched out, it sends a signal to shorten that muscle. If there's too much tension in a muscle, it tells it to relax. And these are totally normal and, and are, are there to protect us and to allow for contraction, relaxation, and, and the ability to move and create force. Now, when we are doing prolonged exercise for a long period of time and stressing this muscle to 
too hard of a degree, now there's an imbalance with this information and in, in these receptors. So now we might have too much excitability where that muscle just wants to create uh, contract and we don't have the receptors that are telling the nervous system to create relaxation in this muscle. So now one side is overpowering the other. So the central nervous system is sending a signal contract and that's and just contract and don't relax. And that's the cramp that we're feeling. So what do we do about something like this? And, and I really think it comes down to two things. You're probably cramping because, like I said, number one, you're not properly prepping yourself, your muscles, different movement patterns, the way they need to be used in the race. So it's one thing that you constantly see is after a hill climb and there's an obstacle that you have to jump, like a wall or something like that. When you're climbing and especially towards the end of the race, when you're tired and the muscles are already fatigued and you are using those leg muscles to climb up a hill or a mountain, and now that they're fatigued and tired and there's something going on with this uh, input to the central nervous system, and now you're asking it to jump and create as much power as possible, it's not going to know how to relax. All it knows is how to tighten up. So you go to jump over that wall and it feels like you got shot by a sniper, um, with a BB gun in the calf because you are now experiencing a cramp and you're not going to be able to move for a while and you have to stretch it out. So, um, and then, you know, going back to the hydration thing, when you have a cramp, if you drink some water, even, you know, you can do the mustard packets. And I, I've talked about that in a previous podcast. It's the mustard's not helping with, uh, hydration. It's actually helping, uh, inhibit your nervous system and, and to further, further support this, this idea that I'm talking about. Um, but yeah, the water and electrolytes won't help you in that situation. Stretching might because you're sending a signal to the nervous system to get a muscle to relax. Now it's going to be, it might be temporary. It might relax for a little bit and then you go try and run again and it's just going to immediately seize up. And sometimes that mustard is going to help with something like that. Um, but really I, I think you should be more proactive versus reactive. I don't want to wait till a cramp happens. I want this to never happen. So I'm going to do things in my training to prevent it from happening. So do you ever do anything in your training to simulate something like that where you're going to have to have the muscles contracted for a long time like you would see on a hill climb and then have to do something uh, that, that, uh, where you need strength or power to jump over a wall or something like that? So an example, really simple that you can do anywhere. You can try something like a wall sit. So you're going to sit up against the wall in that squat position. Hold it there for 30 seconds, a minute, you know, depending on what, how, how strong you are, how much endurance you have, but hold it until you're pretty fatigued. And then we'll do a couple squat jumps right from there. Now, if you're already cramping up just by the thought of that, <laughs> then we have some work to do, but at least you can get the idea of, can you do an exercise where we're going to fatigue that muscle and then try and create a little bit power from it? Now, Proceed with caution because if your legs are tired, I don't think you should do anything, a high risk activity. So like doing a wall sit and then doing very high box jumps or something like that, that might cause, cause a problem, but just squat jumps. So, you know, even just squats, just something to create a little bit more, uh, to create that power, that strength after a muscle is fatigued. So I, I think that's one of the biggest components is you need to get those muscles ready to go. Now, another thing is why are people's calves always cramping up? Now, sure, your calves are active during the, during a race for a lot of it when you're running and climbing and jumping and a lot of these things. But really, I think what it comes down to is they're too active and they're uh, doing too much of the work. And I think a, a clear example, and I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes to um, an article I, I wrote a long time ago with some videos on how to climb hills properly. Because if you have like, for example, restricted ankle mobility and you try climbing a hill, you are going to use all calves. It's going to be calves, quads. They're just going to light up and be on fire. If you have good ankle mobility, you can flex that ankle, dorsiflex it a little bit more. Now I can drive up more quads, more glutes, and now your glutes are going to be on fire, but these are a lot bigger muscles and they're going to be able to handle this kind of force. And now when I need to go jump over that wall, now I can recruit my calves and other muscles to help with that. So I think that's really what this boils down to. Your training and making sure certain muscles are not overactive. So it's hard to answer this and explain this totally in, in an audio podcast, but I, I think if you can start looking at your training in terms like that, it's gonna really help you out. So you need to look at, well, what, where do I cramp up? If this is something that happens to me a lot, if it's your calves, I would automatically go to what's your ankle mobility look like? You probably wanna work on that. 
and then you, how to use better ankle mobility for things like jumping and hill climbing, uh, things like that. Or maybe it's your, your hamstrings or your inner thighs or something like that. So these are all areas that are just being, they're doing too much. They're compensating for a weakness you have somewhere else. So this is something that getting an expert opinion to diagnose your movement, your running and things like that obviously comes in handy. But at least, you know, start to, to self-diagnose if you have to and see where am I commonly cramping up? What might be the reason? If you think it's an overcompensation, how can we prevent that and fix that? Or is it just... I'm just not training enough for this situation. So now I know, okay, I need to, you know, use, use that uh, wall sit as an example. How can I do more things like that in my training to help out? So I hope this clears up some confusion. I know this topic might be controversial, um, but again, I, I'm, don't get me wrong, hydrate, <laughs> get your electrolytes in there, properly prep yourself for nutrition wise that way. But really, I think the cramping is coming down to in that neuromuscular response to uh, too much stimulus. The body's not able to handle it. Its response is, I'm going to cramp up so you can't do any more of what you're doing because you're just doing too much. So hope that helps um, and gets rid of some of those nasty cramps that you're experiencing in your race. G'day, Mike. Jordan from Australia here. Just thought I'd give you a race review on the 24-hour OCR Enduro World Championships that were just held in Sydney. Um, weather was good. We had probably two degrees overnight Celsius. Um, nice dry course. We're in a bit of a drought at the moment, so there's not a lot of water hanging around. There was a little bit of rain, not enough to do anything, just you know, make everything make make everything wet and slippery, which is good. Uh, the course was very fast, so straight out of the blocks, up a small hill to the vaults, down towards the commando crawl, then an A-frame. Then we up into the forest, basically utilising the uh, trees and rock faces to scramble our way for a K or so towards the tyre tread, the casualty dragon inclined walls. Um, bit more of a run. Then we had a sandstone climb, which is just a cargo net draped over a big granite rock, um, which, is, which was nice utilising the natural wonders for their obstacles. A uh, bit more of a run towards the tunnels, then a long K, K and a half jog towards a jungle vine, which is a, typically a rope climb up the side of a uh, cliff with a bell at the top. Um, then back along the same-ish path, and then we had the low wire entanglement and a gap, um, just utilising utilizing the current uh, cliff faces again. Then straight towards the individual ammo box carry. Now, this wasn't too bad, just typical 210 kilo ammo boxes. Uh, except it was about 50 metres sheer vertical carry, which in the very dry conditions, there were a lot of loose rock. So a bit of a hold up there and a, few, a bit of a hold up. Not too bad though. Um, then set off towards basically a K of a straight run towards the Swimmer Scout, which is a pond in the middle of a field that we have to do swim across. Um, because of the weather and the current drought, we, uh, it was about chest height, but still very cold, as it is winter over here. Um, then you had about another K to warm up before you hit the vertical limit walls and the muscle up section. Um, then we got busted up into the forest again towards goat track and a crevasse, which is pretty much as it sounds, a giant cut through the rock that you have to pick your way through. And at six foot four and a hundred kegs, it was not an easy squeeze. Um, then a bit of a run through what was previous years known as the mud mile, but because the weather was very dry and it was a very fast part of the course, just a very grass, grassy meadow. Um, then to individual sandbag carry, same again with that, pretty much 
sheer vertical, a lot of loose rock. But put your head down and just go and it wasn't too bad. Then towards the rope burn and balance beams. Then we head back towards the start, stop, finish area. And you hit the medium walls and ring the bell and monkey bars. Right near the spectators area before you shot back up into the forest for another bit of a just quick loop. Add the K's in and then back towards the torsion bar crawl, vertical maze or 10 foot wall. Um, traverse ropes, ramp and uprising. Then you stopped, then you got over the finish line. Now this is where you, you hit pit lane and you go about 600 metres through pit lane but they had a few obstacles in pit lane this year so we had the multi-rig and the inclination which is just a, a really big A-frame that goes over the start-stop line and that doesn't count towards your lap time but it counts towards your total times so everyone had to do it, do those no matter where you were pitted um, my favourite obstacle this year was the um, traverse ropes because in previous years this has been my weakest and I've focused on in the last year so that was nice to be able to smash through those with not a problem at all. Um, there's just something about a very loose cargo net that just doesn't do it for me though so that was my worst obstacle this year. Um... Yeah, all in all, I think it was a good, really well-run event and you'll probably see me again next year. So, thanks Mike. Um, hope this wasn't too much of a jibber-jabber. But uh, thanks very much for all you do and um, all the best. All right. Well, thank you, Jordan. Uh, that sounds like a, an awesome race. I, I haven't been to Australia, but I'm hoping to get there in the new, near future. And I haven't uh, had much experience with the Enduro race. So thank you so much for walking us through it and uh, giving us some insight on, on that particular race. I will put a link in the show notes more on that race in case it's something that you are interested in and want to check out more info about. Let's move on to our research review, and we're going to talk about training intensities. And I have a, a great study from the Journal of Strength and Conditioning Research, uh, Impact of Training Intensity Distribution on Performance in Endurance Athletes. So this looked at uh, endurance runners, mainly 5K, 10K, cross-country type runners, and they wanted to compare uh, you know, something we've talked about previously on this podcast, but I just think it's worth talking about again, and that's this idea of polarized training and the idea of more is not always better. So um, what they did in this group was they defined three training zones for the participants. So they had zone one, zone two, zone three, pretty basic but effective way to uh, design training intensities. So you can look at this as low intensity, moderate intensity, high intensity, and they just used uh, uh, specific physiological markers to understand what low intensity is and moderate and high intensity are. So they would use, uh, it's called VT1 or ventilatory threshold. So this would be the intensity when you first notice a disruption in your breathing where it's getting a little bit uncomfortable to talk while you are running, for example. So this would be the mark at uh, VT1 or ventilatory threshold. So anything below that intensity would be considered zone one. So this would be low intensity aerobic training. Uh, as we move from, uh, uh, increase the intensity from that VT1 to uh, where there's significant respiratory compensation, this would be our second marker. So this is where it's become very difficult to speak. Um, this would be our uh, definition of zone two. So in between that first ventilatory threshold and this uh, second ventilatory threshold. Now anything above that uh, second ventilatory threshold where it's very difficult to speak, would be uh, called our high intensity. So that's how they divided their three training zones. And what they wanted to do was look at, well, what if we spend different amounts of time training in different zones, how will it affect performance? So uh, they looked at, they did a time trial so they'd understand about what their 10K performance time would look like. Um, and then they put them through five months of training and they split them into two groups. One group was doing a predominantly low intensity training program. Uh, they, their goal was to set them up at 80% in zone one, 10% in zone two, 
percent in zone three. Uh, and then they have the second group that spent a little bit more time in that second zone. So they spent 65% in zone one, 25% in zone two, 10% of the time in zone three. So you can see that zone three are high intensity. They spent about the same amount of time. They wanted to control that. Um, so that, that was at least even at that high intensity and they wanted to compare that zone one and zone two. Uh, so a lot of people have that mentality of more is better. So if I spend more time at that zone two, uh, think these are workouts like tempo runs. So again, I'm not saying these are bad, but just so you have an idea of what they were doing, um, they're kind of pushing that lactate threshold. They're, they're at pretty high intensities. So it's an intensity you can maintain for about 30 minutes or so, uh, but probably not much more than that. And uh, while the group one was doing more just low intensity, long distance running. Um, so they compared the results and when they ran that time trial again, they did find that both groups got better. So again, this is not a good versus bad concept I want to talk about. It's just good versus even better or more effective. Uh, so both got better. So that's good. So everybody improved. Um, when they took the average, the second group, the one that was spending more time in that zone two, saw an average of 121 seconds. Um, so about two minutes improvements on their 10 K time, which is pretty great. Uh, the first group that spent more time in that zone one area, they improved by uh, 157 seconds. So a very, uh, a significant improvement there. And this is just one of many studies that show this concept that we can't forget about low intensity. And we have to make sure if you really want to see an improvement in performance, you can't spend one, you can't spend all your time in that zone three or high intensity because you'll get hurt and you'll burn yourself out. So don't try. Uh, it, it should be a small percentage. So both groups did 10% here, which is probably a good recommendation. Uh, but the idea is, you know, a lot of times we get stuck in that middle where we're pushing hard. Not as hard as we can go, though, but we're pushing pretty hard. And you get, you know, there's a reason they call this that those junk miles. And, and I know we've had talks about this before, but just that idea of you're almost in no man's land. You're not becoming as efficient uh, in anaerobic energy metabolism and you're not becoming as efficient in aerobic. You're getting a little bit of each, which again is good. And we know that, you know, most obstacle course races are going to involve a little bit of each. Um, so it's important that we do train in there. And that's the, the main point I want to bring up that most, both groups did train in this zone too. One just spent more time in it. So when, when I look at the study, I can say, okay, what would you rather do? You're going to get better regardless of the plan you pick. Um, but one, you're going to get a little bit better. And the one that you're going to get even a, a little, see the, the, the most improvements, you are not going to have to train at that super kind of awkward, moderate, high intensity as much. You're gonna spend some time, a little bit of time training really hard, a little bit of time training moderately hard, uh, but most of your time training more in that moderate to low intensity. Um, so I know many people will like, they like the hard stuff and they wanna keep pushing themselves, but any sane person would say, well, I can go lower intensity and get more benefit from it. I'll I'll pick that one. Uh, so that, that I, I just, the, the clients that I typically work with have a hard time understanding this and have a hard, even harder time implementing it because of that idea that more is better. So this is just my friendly reminder and push to look at your training program. And, and if you had to break it down in percentages, how would you break it up? So this is specifically talking to their endurance training or their running portion. Um, but one side note that I thought was interesting, they did mention in the study that they did, uh, all groups did strength training as well because of the improve or the reductions in that's have been found in injuries. So it's a great injury prevention tool because any training program, you don't want people to get hurt. And actually they reported that nobody got hurt throughout this five month study, which is always a good sign. Um, and because of the improvements in running economy that we see with strength training. So, um, hopefully you're already doing strength training. I just thought that was a good thing that they brought, uh, brought up and put into the study. Uh, but again, look at your training program, look how it's broken up and, and how would you uh, rate it based on this? Are you spending all of your time high intensity or at least trying to, or is some of it moderate intensity, some in low intensity? So um, look at your week, look at your typical week, look at each uh, workout that you have designed and kind of rate it. Is this a high intensity workout, a low intensity or moderate? And what are you seeing more of? Is it a lot of moderates? 
that's really when I would question the program and, and see how we can mani manipulate it. So it's not that you can't have any moderate workouts in there. It's just that that should be the majority of your, your program. We need to have um, different styles of training in there. And the great part is that it creates more variety. You're less likely to burn out and hopefully it's going to be more fun for your training. And the best part is you probably will get the best results from it. So hopefully that helps. Um, but again, take a look and see if you're, you're following kind of that uh, 80% 10, 10 versus the 65, 25, 10 plan. All right. In this episode's interview, I have on Jay O'Hare, CEO of Venga CBD. All right, Jay. Well, welcome to the OCR Underground Show. How you doing? Hey, Mike. Thanks so much for uh, for having me. I'm I'm doing great. You know, we're we're here in Steamboat Springs, Colorado, up in the Rocky Mountains, and um, it's supposed to be spring and almost into summer, and it's uh, snowing today. So, um, so there you go. Yeah, you know, it's funny. We just got back a little bit ago uh, from Big Bear out in Southern California to do a Spartan race, and it snowed there. And that's in May in Southern California. So I think we are going to have a long winter or I guess we're not winter anymore. So this is the weird, weird part about all this. It's crazy. It's crazy. But we're doing, <laughs> but we're doing great here and excited to be on your podcast and, uh, and, and share this information with your audience. Yeah. And you know, so we're, we're going to talk about CBD and this is a topic I have not talked about at all on this podcast. And really my goal for our listeners is to just find every little bit that's going to help them get better, whether it's recovery, performance, all of the above. So I, I thought this would be a great chance to really educate you know myself, our listeners on this topic, because I think there's no question that uh, CBD has just really blown up and becoming really popular. And I'm sure with all products like this, there are good quality stuff and there's bad stuff and it'd just be good to kind of know some different things so we can see if this is something that would be a good fit for, for our, our listeners. Yeah, sure. And, and let me just, um, let me start by just giving a quick overview as to what CBD is, because there could be people out there that are like, CB what? Like, why, like, why would I care? Um, and I, I run into that a lot, actually. Mm -hmm. uh, we were down at a, at a uh, marathon a couple weeks ago and talking to a lot of runners. And there were a lot of people even here in Colorado that are like, I don't know what CBD is. So just, just really quickly, um, CBD is uh, short for cannabidiol. It comes from uh, the hemp plant. It does not get you high. It is non-toxic. Um, it, it, it is, you know, in the family of cannabis. So you need to understand that. Um, but federally, it's legal. There are a couple of states that um, where it still is a bit of a gray area, but federally, it's legal. It got signed into law um, in, of the 2018 Farm Bill. And um, it's an all-natural way to combat pain, inflammation, um, anxiety, and some of the things that I think uh, probably a lot of your um, audience uh, and listeners are dealing with. Awesome. So I, I'd love to, uh, you know, we're going to get into the details in a little bit, but I'd love to start out a little bit more about you. So you're the CEO of Venga CBD. And I'd love yes. to know, you know, we chatted, you know, briefly before we started recording and you mentioned that you're into um, ultra endurance races, things like that. So I just love to know how you got involved in something like this. You know, it's really interesting, Mike. Um, so I've been doing uh, endurance sports for, uh, gosh, 25 plus years, um, everything from triathlons to centuries on the bike. Um, and then uh, most recently in the past eight years or so trail running and then ultras. And, um, I actually, uh, was, uh, a chief operations officer for a small CBD manufacturing company. And, um, and when I went to work there, I, I really didn't know anything about it. Um, I'm not into pot or cannabis or anything like that, nothing against it, but it just, just hasn't been my thing. And, uh, I, so I started taking CBD just as um, like, if I'm going to work for this company, I think I'd at least know what the product's about. And I didn't really have any issues. And uh, what I noticed was uh, a pretty profound change um, in sort of mood, anxiety, uh, that sort of thing uh, after about three weeks. And, and the reason why it was so apparent to me was because I started taking it around the holidays. And um, so, so, you know, you've got family things going on. You've got all kinds of pressure with the holidays. And what I noticed was like, wow, this is like, I'm really, I'm really not bothered by all this. This is, this is really great. So, um, 
so I was I was chief operations officer for this company, and I and I got to really understand the product inside and out, how it's made, where it comes from, why people are using it, and uh, so during that time, as a as a trail runner, ultra runner. I just found where it was benefiting me in terms of some aches and pains that I was having. Um, I found that my recovery was faster when I was doing hard training blocks. And I just said, you know, I think that there is a real place to develop, uh, to have a company that develops products specifically for endurance athletes. So, um, so I left that company and I started Venga. And uh, Venga is actually, it's a Spanish term, and it means like, uh, come on, hurry up. And um, if you watch like the Tour de France, for example, you'll see all these Spaniards on the Pyrenees cheering on the, the bike riders, and they're all yelling, Venga, Venga, Venga. <laughs> um, so, so, so that's, the, that's the, um, uh, where the name comes from. And I think it's fitting because, you know, that's what we're trying to help you do. We're trying to help you uh, get to the next level. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So I'd love to get into like something like this. There's, there are myths, there are misconceptions. And I think it's really just the idea that people don't know really about this. And let's talk about where this comes, where this comes from. Cause I think, you know, you mentioned, yes, it's in the same family as cannabis and that is just going to have a bad connotation. Sure. Uh, no matter what, because that's what people, well, I guess, depending on your thoughts on cannabis, but um, so Let's talk about, is this something that's going to give you an effect like cannabis, like a, a, a high or something along those lines? Right. So this will not get you high. Um, so I'll make a distinction and I'll just boil this down and try to make it really simple in that there's two different types of cannabis plants. And, um, and I know there's there going to be more than that. And there's, but, but just to boil this down and make it really simple, there's the marijuana plant on one side, and that has uh, the psychoactive component THC, uh, and that's the part that gets you high from marijuana. And then there's the hemp plant. And hemp is, uh, that's, hemp is grown, it's used all over the world um, for different things like textiles, uh, rope, foods, it's a bioaccumulator. Um, and so, so hemp, uh, and then there's various types of hemp, uh, but hemp has, is very high in CBD, uh, which is the cannabidiol that we're talking about today, and very low in the psychoactive THC. So we can create products that are high in, TH, uh, excuse me, high in CBD that help us and very low in THC or have no THC, so we're not going to get high off of that. Okay, perfect. So it's it's coming from hemp, and it's just extracted, and uh, uh, we get the oil from that, and that's the product that we're talking about. That's right. That's right. Okay, perfect. So you know, if, if it's not going to give us that um, psychoactive response, is there potentially any other side effects that we would experience from this? We're just you know the 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 side effects or or the effects of it that we're seeing are positive. I mean, there's not, there really is, there, there's virtually no uh, side effects from, uh, from taking CBD. Okay. And, um, it's all natural. In fact, our body already has uh, CBD. Our brains already, already produce CBD. They just don't produce enough of it. Um, our body has receptors in all of our organs that um, uh, where CBD interacts. So this is, um, it's very, very well tolerated in the body. Uh, you know, you really, it's, it's almost impossible to overdose on it. Um, uh, to give some context to that, there are studies out there with people taking uh, 700 plus milligrams a day of, of CBD, whereas uh, a typical uh, dosage that someone might take um, just for general health would be only 25 milligrams. So, you know, the average person is taking 25, 50, maybe 75 milligrams, depending on their situation. And there are studies out there where people are um, taking, you know, 700 plus milligrams and, and doing just fine. Okay. Um, so you're really not going to overdose on that either. Okay. And, you know, and I, I just kind of as a side note, I, I like that you, I said side effect and you quickly came back and just said effects because there were, <laughs> you know, there are no side effects, right? It's if yeah. you take something it all has an effect and we're just hoping that they're more positive or all positive versus positive and negative. So I do appreciate you wording it that way. Cause that was a great way to put it. Yeah. I think I, you know, I remember back the first time I took CBD and I took it and I was just like, you know, an hour later, I'm like, 
nothing's happening. <laughs> and it's like, okay, yeah, that's right, right? Um, uh, however, uh, depending on what your condition is, something could happen pretty soon, which could be that you've got pain relief or you're finding that you're recovering faster. So we'll, we'll get into some of those things here, here in a bit. Absolutely. But it's not like you're going to take CBD and then just be like, oh gosh, I'm high or, or whatever the case might be. Yeah, that, that's not going to happen. So one thing I'd love to, to talk about, you, you kind of mentioned, so, you know, the body produces CBD. And um, so I, when I look at things like supplements and uh, vitamins, minerals that people might be taking, you know, obviously there's lots of reasons might, why you might be taking a specific thing, but it often comes down to a deficiency, right? Where I am not getting enough zinc in my diet. I'm not getting enough vitamin A or whatever, and I can't get it through food or what, you know, whatever the case may be, I might take a supplement because that's going to help me uh, get more higher levels of whatever I might be missing. So when I first think about CBD, I don't really think about it that way, but it, it sounds like that might be a, a similar situation where we're just not producing enough of it. So we're not, but yeah, we're not producing enough of it. And um, there's a system in our body uh, called the endocannabinoid system. And <clears throat> here's, this is a system of uh, neurotransmitters uh, in our body. And again, I'm going to say things in, in really sort of simple terms just to keep it, uh, cause I know there's, there, there, there could be some doctors out there that might say, Jay, that's completely wrong. But I think mm -hmm. in terms of for people to understand and kind of get a grasp of like how this is happening in the body, I think just, just breaking this down, um, this way can be helpful. And so we have a system called the endocannabinoid system, um, which is a, uh, neurotransmitter system and CBD interacts with that. And, uh, and it, and one of the main properties is that it helps suppress, it helps work with the immune system, uh, to suppress inflammation. And, um, as, as many of your listeners, uh, probably know that inflammation, uh, is, is often the number one source of pain. And, um, they get that by banging their bodies around or falling off things or, um, uh, pushing their bodies way beyond what it was made to do. And so then there's a lot of pain and stiffness uh, and immobility caused by inflammation. And if we can get a handle on that inflammation, not necessarily eliminate it because there are some, uh, some uh, obviously benefits to inflammation, but if we can tamp that down, suppress that in such a way that it helps bring the body back into homeostasis, that, that helps us recover faster. It helps us, uh, it helps us uh, manage the pain. And we, we can do this in a completely natural way uh, with CBD. Perfect. So, and, and, you know, like you said, certain situations, certain people, they're going to respond differently to something like this, where somebody might have a mild effect to it and other people might have a more dramatic effect. Absolutely. I mean, we've got, we have uh, customers um, and athletes that are using our product. Um, for example, I've got a, um, uh, one of our, one of our best customers, uh, was in an auto accident about 10 years ago, two years ago, we started taking CBD, uh, because he had excruciating, uh, neck pain and that helped him immensely. Then he started taking our CBD because ours is made a little bit differently. And he's just like a normal person now. I mean, he's out snowboarding, he's doing the sports that he loves. He's doing those kinds of things. Um, and you know, we've got another athlete who was involved in a, uh, auto accident last year. She was on her bike. She got hit by a car. Um, and, uh, for nine months she had just, um, uh, you know, just debilitating, uh, hip pain, started taking our CBD and within two weeks, she's back to doing the sports and the things that she loves to do. So, um, I mean, I think those are some really, uh, we're hearing this over and over and over again. And then, and then every once in a while we'll hear someone who says, Hey, you know, I, I took it and didn't do a whole lot for me. Um, and, and, and so that's to your point that all of our bodies are different. And that's, you know, and I, and I can appreciate that where, you know, when we see something like this, it's easy for people to come out, you know, usually with a motive to sell more product or, or something along those lines where it's like, this helps with absolutely everything. It helps everybody. And you're going to just be totally different after you, you take it. And, you know, I, I think hopefully people are, you know, can see through something like that and say, well, maybe it helped you. I don't know if it's going to help me, but clearly we all respond differently to things. So, you know, I, yeah. I appreciate you can, um, you know, say things like that. And that actually brings up uh, something that I saw you guys put out and it's your endurance octagon. And um, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll go through this and I want you to explain it a little bit. And I'll put a uh, link in the show notes to this image so people can, can see it 
on their own. Uh, but one of the things I like about this, so you have our uh, your eight sectors that you will walk through, um, but you don't have CBD listed under all of them saying that, yeah, this isn't going to, at least this is how I'm interpreting it. Sure. It's not going to solve everything, but it does aid in a lot, quite a few of these things that are, are going to help you. That's right. That's right. We were trying to come up with, you know, it, it, oftentimes people will look at CBD as, well, it's, it's a replacement for ibuprofen. In other words, I'm going to take this um, for a short period of time for this isolated uh, issue, and then I'll stop taking it. Much the way we take a lot of, um, a, a, a lot of medication. And um, what the endurance octagon shows is it's, it's essentially eight areas of your endurance life that in some shape or form you need to manage and that CBD can play a significant role in six of the eight areas. So just because you might be taking it for, uh, say, for example, sleep, for example, um, people take CBD to help them with sleep. Um, just because you're doing that um, uh, doesn't mean that, um, uh, that it's not helping in other areas too. So, um, uh, so yeah, so we put together the Endurance Octagon to, to help people see that like, wow, this is, this is playing a significant role in more areas than maybe what I'm just taking it for. Perfect. So uh, if it's okay with you, why don't we go through each of these and we can just kind of touch on each one uh, sure. and just maybe explain how CBD might help. So uh, you mentioned sleep. So let's, let's just start there. So how, how can CBD, uh, taking CBD help improve sweet sleep quality? So one of the things that happens is, um, uh, so sleep and mental resilience, that's another, that's another component of the endurance octagon. And those two things are related, um, is that, um, studies show that, that CBD works in the brain similar, similarly to the way that, uh, antidepressants work in the brain, not to that effect, but that it does have a positive impact on mood, anxiety, those kinds of things. And so if we can get some of those in check, uh, then it helps uh, with sleep. So if, if you're someone who um, might be uh, having a hard time falling asleep or you wake up in the middle of the night and your mind's racing and there's a lot of anxiety, um, what we're seeing is a, a lot of our customers are really um, finding benefit from taking CBD because they're just calmer in that, in that regard. Okay. Um, and so as we know, if we can, if we can get, you know, that solid block of sleep, that's going to help us in our recovery. It's going to help us, you know, basically in everything that we do. Um, but certainly that's an important component of being an endurance athlete. Okay, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I can, <laughs> I, it's kind of a funny story. I mentioned when we were up in Big Bear, um, there was a, a company there, I won't mention the name, but they were handing out samples of different, um, uh, CBD products, one of them being a lozenge. And I tried it and it was, uh, at night and, uh, was, you know, just had it in my mouth and just kind of wasn't paying attention. And I ended up swallowing the, the whole <laughs> lozenge and I was like, okay, whatever, you know, it wasn't comfortable going down, but you know, I'm, I'm going to be okay. And then next thing I know I passed out <laughs> and I wasn't sure if that was just, Hey, I was tired and I was sitting down or did this, you know, with the lozenge, I'm assuming it was supposed to be a little bit more slow released. And I just sure. got, it, got it all down there in one and, and it got into my system and just knocked me out. But, um, I don't know. So I have no idea what happened there and could have been, I was just tired, but that was just an interesting uh, event that happened, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe you just try it again and see what happens, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So sure. I, I think sleep is, is one of the most important things that we need to consider with, with training, with life really in general. So this is one of those things. I don't, you know, I don't think there's one thing that helps somebody sleep, but if you can find like the one or two things that or three or four, whatever it might be help, uh, I would absolutely try it. If you're one of those people that just don't, don't get good sleep every night, you kind of want to stack the cards in your favor as much as possible. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's oftentimes it's the cumulative effect of, of some small changes. You know, it's, Hey, you've got a little bit of a better pillow and you've got a little bit of a better of a sleep environment and you've got a little bit better of a, you know, uh, maybe perhaps, uh, in, you know, noise situation. And then you start adding in some CBD and you start, you know, being consistent. So you start adding up all these, all these, uh, 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 small, uh, but seemingly um, small changes and the cumulative effect can be, can be pretty profound. Absolutely. Uh, 
So let's move on. Uh, recovery is another one of uh, the components of the octagon. So uh, what specifically are we talking about with CBD and recovery? So if, again, we go back to the inflammation that if we can tame the inflammation and keep the inflammation from, from getting out of control, it's going to help us in a number of different areas. So certainly recovery, um, uh, if we can, uh, you know, oftentimes, um, and, and I'm sure it might be similar in the OCR world, but, you know, back to back to back to back uh, training blocks where you need to get out there, you know, uh, every day um, in, in varying amounts, but you want to make sure that you're, you're really sort of, as, as I tell myself, you got to break it down to build it up. Mm-hmm. And so you're getting out there every day to break it down. Um, if you can be more effective in getting out there day after day, um, that's going to make your training more effective. And, and so what's, what's going to help with that is having good recovery. And the key to that is if we can keep inflammation from getting out of control, then we're going to, we're going to have, uh, we're going to be able to hit the road the next day, um, in a much better state than, uh, than the painful, uh, stiff, um, sort of creaky way that, um, that tends to happen, uh, you know, when we're doing, um, uh, training, training days back to back. Absolutely. So I think uh, some of these other components are a little related then. So we have things like pain management, uh, Mm -hmm. injury, and inflammation. So are those all going to be kind of similar things really coming down to that inflammation because we know a lot of that is leading to uh, pain management or are there different pieces where it's helping? It is helping with um, uh, reducing that pain sense or is it mainly just it's controlling the inflammatory response? Yeah, so I want to make the distinction with pain management that – uh, oftentimes endurance athletes during a uh, long training or during an event uh, will begin experiencing like a lot of pain and they'll start reaching for some way to control that pain. And oftentimes it'll be some sort of ibuprofen. Um, and so this is like during, you know, during an event. Mm-hmm. And um, what research shows is that the way our bodies respond to ibuprofen under stress of endurance is different than if we're just taking it in normal day lives. And that the consequence is that taking ibuprofen during an endurance uh, uh, effort can cause kidney damage. And so, um, and and there's other side effects as well. So really, uh, listen, I'm guilty of it. I've taken ibuprofen during an event um, before I knew better. And because uh, it hurts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Got a long way to go. And it's like, hey, look, if I can just get a little relief, you know, it's just going to make this so much better. Well, um, so what we're advocating is that um, take CBD as, as, as that painkiller during uh, training or during an event. And um, so that's, that's um, uh, when we talk about pain management, um, it's somewhat there. Um, but also, gosh, we just had a, uh, a very good friend of ours who uh, broke his collarbone in a bike race a few weeks ago, and he had to wait several days to have surgery. And so during that wait with his broken collarbone, all he did was take our CBD. He took a lot of it, but um, all he, that's all he did. He <laughs> no, there was no opioids, no other painkillers. He was just taking our CBD, and, and, and it worked out really well for him. Um, and so that's where um, then the next piece in the endurance octagon is injury. And studies are showing that um, CBD can play a significant role in helping bones heal faster. Hmm. So, um, uh, you know, I think there's still some more uh, research that needs to be done on that end. Um, but, you know, if someone's suffering from a broken bone, um, you know, this, is, this would be something to look into to help with that uh, injury healing faster. And, um, and certainly our friend that broke the collarbone, you know, he's, he's, he's on our stuff and, um, uh, and, and healing nicely. So, um, uh, that's the other piece there. And then, like you said, uh, inflammation is the other one. Um, okay. Yeah. Perfect. Uh, so actually uh, a couple things that I was thinking as you were talking, you, you mentioned in race and I, I didn't really think about that. I thought of, uh, using this primarily as more of a recovery tool and after the fact, but that's interesting. An interesting point to bring up is during the race, if something should happen and you need, you need to get through and you just need to finish that race and, and not be in uh, agony the entire time. This is something that you potentially could do. Uh, is, is there, you know, we, I know we brought up side effects, but there, is there anything out there or whether it's research-based or anecdotal on 
so uh, either performance hindering or performance enhancing by doing something like this performance enhancing mike are we going there (laughs) (laughs) um no i mean not not well so and we can talk about wada here in a minute um and i know that's not what you meant but in terms Mm -hmm. of uh but in terms of like you know energy boost or things like that um i i I think that that there's uh, we're not seeing any evidence that there's like a you know this is going to release some sort of um, untapped energy reserve in your body by taking CBD, <laughs> but mm-hmm. but what it can do though is it can help uh, it can it can help quell pain, and um, uh, and and that oftentimes is is the one thing that's needed to get people going, mm-hmm. um, to be able to finish something or you know uh, keep their pace what they need it to be, and if we can if we can manage that pain somewhat, um, uh, boy that goes a long way um, to helping people complete their, their, their event. Okay. That makes sense. So, I mean, you, you brought up, so, uh, are there any legality issues with this in sports? So it's interesting, um, that WADA has cleared CBD. So athletes can take CBD, um, and THC is still banned. Uh, so that's good news. We're also, uh, beginning to see, uh, other professional uh, sports leagues, such as the NFL, the NBA, um, uh, those guys. I know. I know the NBA has cleared CBD as well. I think the NFL is is on track to do that too. So, you know, what they're recognizing is that this is a significant way for these athletes to help manage inflammation and pain, and be able to you know continue to do their profession in a way that's not addictive. Um, it's, you know, these aren't, uh, these aren't opioids. In fact, um, there was a study that came out just recently showing that, um, patients who were on opioids, who switched to CBD were, were much less likely to continue taking opioids. So that's a, that's a good sign. Um, so in terms of sports, just know that WADA has cleared CBD and, uh, and THC is still banned. Okay. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think you just brought up a great point about that pain management and how so many are taking um, opioids and, and other medication that become addicting. And, you know, they run down that, that whole line of, of issues that might potentially come up. So if there's any alternative we're trying, I know, I think it's something that should be explored further. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think the one, one last area, just to emphasize a little bit, I think is the, on the, especially on the octagon is that mental resilience. And I just want to bring that up that yes, it helps with sleep, but I think it also helps with, um, you know, so much of being an endurance athlete, um, being, being an OCR athlete is the mental component of it. Absolutely. And, uh, the more calm, the more rational, the more, um, just collected that we can be when we approach difficult times during an event, during an array, during a race, um, uh, the more successful we're going to be. And, you know, there, there, there comes a point where, uh, you know, the, the physical conditioning is there, the, um, the strength conditioning is there. And now it's like, you know, is, is the mental conditioning there? And, and that's what I think is so exciting about uh, OCR sports is that it has this mental component that I think is just truly unmatched. And, uh, and so being able to stay calm, to be able to deal with that adversity uh, is, a, is, is, is just really critical to be successful in the sport. And CBD can can play just a very significant role in that. In fact, I would say that um, most of the people, uh, I don't say most, but I would say many of the people that I talk to, the reason why they're taking CBD has to do more with uh, the mental benefits of it than anything else. Yeah, and I'm sure a lot of people listening could probably relate to maybe the start of a race and just kind of freaking out about, are they ready? What what are they going to see? How are they going to perform? And being able to calm that a little bit and just, be able to focus and, and go might be a great benefit for them. Oh yeah. And your heart rate goes bananas at the beginning. And then mm-hmm. that has its, its own effects that, you know, you're, you're constantly behind on the, on the heart rate thing. And so if you can, if you can stay ahead of that, um, that, that goes a long way. Awesome. Uh, one, one question that, that I wanted to bring up that, you know, I mentioned I tried a lozenge, um, there, I know there are oils out there, they're creams, uh, are those, all pretty good. Uh, are there benefits to one over the other? Um, I'm sure different brands do different things, but just in general, like the different forms of the product, is that going to make a, a big difference? Yeah. So um, when we talk about like, how do we get this stuff into our body? 
a lot of it's going to depend on um, the context that you're in. So uh, a lozenge might be great if you're sitting around watching television, but it's not going to be great when you're, you know, swinging from the monkey bars or whatever, <laughs> trying to do something, right? Um, so, uh, so I think that um, I think that whatever whatever form uh, in terms of the context, you know, makes sense. It doesn't make sense to do a you know, the eyedropper uh, tincture thing, you know, while you're trying to ride a bike. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so that's why, like, we just come out with gummies so that you can take them, you know, on, on the move. But what's more important than how you take it is really how much actually gets in your bloodstream to make a difference. And this is a big piece that I think we're going to start seeing a lot of, um, uh, a lot of uh, press and things like that, because um, the amount that actually gets in your bloodstream to make a difference is called bioavailability. And it's a pretty big one because um, uh, a typical CBD product, because it's an oil, we're only getting about uh, between 5 and 15% actually in the bloodstream to make a difference. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, you're, 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 you're paying 100% for the product and you're peeing out 90% of it. Mm -hmm. um, that's not great. Um, our product, you know, when we came out with this, our product is water soluble. Um, we use a, a patented nano emulsion technology to make ours water soluble. And because it's water soluble, it, we're, we're seeing a bioavailability of 85 plus percent. Mm. And I think that's really important for athletes to understand that just because, you know, you take it in whatever form you take it, doesn't necessarily mean that it's getting into the places in your body where it can have an effect. Mm -hmm. And again, because CBD is an oil and our bodies are water, um, uh, it's, it's a real challenge to get a high bioavailability of CBD. So uh, I, think, I think it just makes sense for, for athletes, you know, your listeners to look around and really ask the question, okay, that's great. What's the bioavailability of this product? And so even though you might see products out there that are, that are very low priced and you're like, oh, wow, this is super cheap. Well, the thing is, you might only be getting actually 5% of that actually into your body. So, you know, you're having to spend 20 times as much to have the same effect as maybe a, a, a different product. Yeah, that, that makes perfect sense there. Um, so you guys are, are giving away a really extensive book on CBD. <laughs> and uh, I, I know our listeners are probably going to be interested in checking this out. So one, could you let, let them know a little bit about it and where they could find this? Yeah. So, you know, our, again, I think with endurance athletes, it's important that they have all the information at their fingertips so that they can make informed decisions. And um, we just saw so much misinformation out there, um, people not really understanding what they were buying or why they were buying it or how to buy it. So we decided to create uh, a endurance athlete's guide to CBD and basically explains what it is, how it works, how you can use CBD. And um, I've been told it's too long. It's 58 pages. <laughs> um, saying This is too long. I'm never going to read this. Uh, and, but I don't care. No, I, I mean, I do care. I want people to read it, but I, but I felt that it was important that we put in enough information so people can, you can jump in and, and get the information that you want out of it. But it's basically, it's six chapters, everything from the basics to how athletes can use it, to how to take it. It's free on our website. Um, our website's at vengacbd.com and, uh, it's free there. You can download it. It's a PDF. Um, and uh, so far, we've just gotten great reception from it. It's helping people make decisions. It's helping them become more educated about how to uh, buy CBD, what to look out for, what to avoid, you know, those kinds of things. Awesome. So I, I will put a link in the show notes so everyone can find the, uh, the download and check it out and read through all 60, almost 60 pages. Uh, there is a lot of great info in there. So it's, it's, uh, it is a great read. Uh, and if, if people aren't interested in learning more about Venga, uh, I'm assuming they can just head over to the website as well. Or is there any other place you'd want them to check out? Yeah, no, I mean, just come on over to VengaCBD.com. Um, we've got live chat. We're always, um, it's fun to uh, answer questions from people when they come to our site and they're like, hey, what does this mean? Or, or how do I take that? Or what should I do? Um, and uh, we've also got an 800 number. People can call us. You know, again, our thing is we want, we're, we're athletes. Um, uh, I'm a runner. Uh, my partner, Dave's a cyclist. And uh, we have just gotten such great benefit from being able to take this. And especially as we're getting older 
And, you know, it gets harder to, um, to, to maintain those paces and PRs and all those kinds of things. <laughs> if there's a, if there's an all natural way that, that can help us continue to perform at a high level, uh, that's great. Our, you know, our tagline is endurance for life. Um, we, we want to help people do the endurance sport that they love, uh, for the rest of their life. And if CBD can, can play a significant role in that, that would be terrific. Um, you know, we see this as, uh, again, just as a, as a replacement for so many of these other things that we take and the fact that it has all these, um, uh, benefits and areas that, um, that, that we, we might not be paying attention to at first, but, but boy, it's, it's, it's helping us in more than, more than just one way. So I think that's good. I think it's important, um, you know, for your obstacle course racer athletes to understand that CBD doesn't have to be complicated. Um, I would say that's probably the number one thing that I've seen uh, in the industry is that there's so many choices and concentrations and flavors and ways of taking it. And we wanted to make things just super simple. So we basically have two products, although we're adding a third, but um, but only after a lot of research and a lot of feedback. But I think that it's, it's just important that um, people not get freaked out by the amount of different things out there and find a good quality product and stick with it and stick with it for a period of time. I think that's the other thing too, is sometimes people take it for like a day or two. Mm -hmm. They're like, oh, this didn't help. It, it can take three weeks plus for this thing to, to really start uh, cranking up in the body. So, um, so, if you, so if people start taking it, don't give up after a few days, um, hang in there, use the recommended dosage and, uh, and stick with it for a few weeks and then, and then see. And if you don't see the change, ask people around you, Hey, do I seem a little bit different? Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> and you may be surprised at what you hear. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I appreciate you coming on here and really doing everything that you're doing to educate first, uh, because this is a, a such a, a trending product right now. So it's good for us to understand, you know, is it something worth looking into trying out and just giving that information? So I, I do appreciate you coming on today. Oh, for sure. For sure. Thanks, Mike, for having us. And, uh, you know, it's, it's congrats for what you're doing and helping educate and spread the word about um, obstacle course racing and, and all the stuff that you're doing for your audience. It's awesome. All right. I appreciate it. And like I said, I'll put links in the show notes. And if people have questions, they can go over to the site and start chatting and definitely do a little bit more research on their own. Awesome, Mike. Thanks so much. All right. Thank you. All right, well, that's going to do it for episode 62. Again, I wanted to give a big thanks to Jay O'Hare and our new sponsors, Venga CBD. Don't forget to head on over to vengacbd.com slash OCR Underground to learn more about what they're offering. Um, you can download that report that we were talking about. Again, check out the show notes for all the things that we, we talked about and uh, use promo code OCR Underground to save 15% off. And again, if you're looking for a jumpstart to your training program, you can head on over to ocrunderground.com slash free dash training, and you can get our jumpstart training program for free. That's going to include everything you need to get started on your OCR training. Well, that's going to do it for this episode, and we will see you soon.